Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I am your host, Murphy. Tom, are you still out there? Possibly. I am out here, my friend. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. It's been a while. I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. You've been yeah. sick. You feeling better? Oh, God. Yeah, like two uh, colds, like, you know, back to back. Just was a rough couple of weeks for me. But uh, yeah, I'm back. I feel much better. And uh, we finally get to talk about part three. We've never really done a proper podcast. Yeah. On- part three I'm it's one of our favorite episodes yeah, yeah. it's like the one that like i think you and i were like freaking out that after the first two not really sure what the hell is happening i think it took me a while to get uh, used to mr c as i've described in past podcasts but uh once uh part three came on you and i were sold we knew this was the fucking that he still had his fastball that we were going we were just going to strap in i loved it i can't wait to read yeah it. me too the opening of part three the whole really first 15 minutes was some of the best filmmaking in my opinion of, of david lynch's career it kind of evoked a racer head in a lot of different ways, but it was just so fresh and so new uh, in the Twin Peaks mythology. And Cooper is on this journey. We don't know where he's going. And then we see Dougie. No one could have predicted um, Dougie Jones and how Cooper returned. It was just a fantastic episode. And then I believe at the end, we get our first uh, scenes with Cole and, uh, and Albert and uh, the introduction of Tammy uh, the call for help, Jay. You spoil the whole thing. You're spoiling the whole the plot. <laughs> the whole show to do here. Well, Pace yeah. Hey, Pace I want to ask you something before we get into this. I watched the end of the series, part 18. You did? Again? Again? Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you watched that thing? A few times, yeah. Uh, Over 100? No, Once? no, no. What about you? I'm at like 72, I think. 72. 14 in super slow-mo. <laughs> Eight while I was sleeping, just uh, through osmosis. I was no, to. but I was watching it again and looking at Laura in the street, and her hair is blowing a little bit, and Cooper's trying to figure out what year it is. And you had mentioned that you thought maybe at the door and in the street, Laura was maybe shot in reverse because it has this kind of unnatural quality to it. And she screams, obviously. Is it possible that she got sucked back out of whatever world that was, like she did in part two and in uh, part 17 in the, in the woods? Uh, yeah, I think that's more likely than like a lot of people are thinking that like, you know, Laura's, Laura blew out the lights and, and, you know, was victorious. As much as I would like that to have happened, I think it's probably more likely that she did get sucked back up, like her and Coop. Maybe like... Uh, Part two, uh, part 17 and part 18, maybe she got sucked up in, you know, one big suck. It was like a try-sucking of three different parallel dimensions. Right, and then the last shot we have of the of the whole series is of the Palmer house and the electricity going out, and it made me think of 
the log lady, her um, uh, dialogue with Hawk, and I think part 10, Laura is the one, and she has this, you know, cryptic message, like one of her log lady introductions um, when the series aired on Bravo back in 93. And the first thing she told Hawk was that uh, the electricity is humming, like you hear it in the mountains and the rivers, and you see it like dance among the seas and the stars and glowing around the moon. And then, but then she says like the glow is fading. Um, but what she says next was very interesting. She says that after the glow is dying, she asks what will be in the darkness that remains. And it made me think of that final shot final with shot, the electricity yeah. going out and we're left with darkness and what remains then. And her next line of dialogue uh, to Hawk was the circle is almost complete. And then she ends her speech with Laura is the one. And uh, I think there might be some foreshadowing in there, but yeah, I guess to the interpretations, like if Laura did really blow out the lights, then like it was complete. It was almost complete and then it was complete. Or if she didn't blow out the lights and got sucked back up, or if we're still on a Cooper time loop for all eternity in the Black Lodge, uh, then it did not get complete and her prophecy was not fulfilled. Right. Which way are you leaning? I, I don't think any prophecies were fulfilled or uh, any... <laughs> That's the thing is I would love for, I would love to believe in all those things, but it's just like this, I, I go back to that that visceral feeling, the feeling of how it felt and the feeling how it always feels to watch that ending, which is terrifying and empty and hollow and horrible and sad. Um, so I'm just unable at this point to, to see an optimistic glow to it. Just yet. Just yet, yeah. No, I don't think years, that yeah. anyone was defeated. <laughs> Judy Jaude was defeated. Laura was empowered and her scream uh, defeated the, the darkness, the evil. Um, I, I just, I, I just don't, don't buy it. I mean, I don't have any concrete theories other than what we've talked about in our previous podcasts. Do you think that theory will grow in popularity if like we never get a season four? Cause then you could say, well, then that was an apt ending and maybe it did end that way because if it did in that way, there probably wouldn't be a season four cause it would, she would have blown the lights out and the story would be over. Right. It's true. Yeah. But I always take yeah. it to that, the two realities, the duality of the whole series that we have Tremon Chalfont in the house Somewhere in that house is Sarah Palmer and whatever is possessing her. And I think that is what we got. That was the indicative of the lights going out and hearing Sarah say Laura. Yeah, I felt like she was trapped in there. Like Sarah is trapped in there. You know, well, I don't know. Herself. Like she's been sucked in by the lodge. The lodge has her soul and that her soul was crying out to her. Or it maybe was another GD trick. You know, well, yeah, I just think the whole Judy trickery and chicanery is just, uh, I, I don't know. We, you always, have we discussed, like, do you, didn't, your theory is that Cooper did not hear the, the Sarah Palmer scream. You still agree with that? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, no, I agree. He heard, he heard Laura scream because he reacts to Laura's scream, but I don't think he heard Laura. And I don't think um, that was actually... Um, voice. I think that was in her head. That's what makes me think that the memories of the past of Laura Palmer, the identity, is coming back to her, and it, it's it's signaled by that that callback. And it also made me think of those two shots we got in part one and in part fourteen of um, the flashback of the high school in the pilot when they're in the school. And yeah, right before Donna realized, we see that girl screaming through the courtyard. Like, why did he show those two shots at that particular point? And I think there's some heavy, some you know, uh, symbolism going on there. But the idea of that, you know, unidentified woman screaming 
at the thought of Laura Palmer dying and then the way that the series ended with that scream. Yeah, did you see at the Festival of Disruption, Laura, uh, Cheryl Lee said that that was her, it was a fresh scream. It wasn't a recycled scream at the end. That was 30 years of extra life. Added oh, so that, that wasn't the same scream from the lodge? No, and it was a new scream. Well, what else did she yeah. say? Um, I don't know, I wasn't there. No, did you, <laughs> did you read about something that she mentioned or... Are you trying to lead me into something that I've mentioned in the past week? Because I forgot. <laughs> no, still no, 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 no. Um, was there any other tidbits from the Festival of Disruption? Uh, no, I think there was one where I don't know if Sabrina or whomever it was, but somebody was like, yeah, there was a time. Or I think it was maybe uh, uh, the cinematographer Pogue, but uh, or Dimming, uh, yeah, Peter Dimming, uh, said that like they were at times there'd be an eight by eight room and, and Lynch would be, you know, using the megaphone, <laughs> like an eight by eight room, which I loved. That's good. Just like our friend Stuart Strauss, right? Well, you know <laughs> that uh, not that, that that diner, uh, the okay. Twin Peaks pop up double R diner, isn't that like literally like yeah. five minutes from your house? A little bit. It's on Melrose. I think it's further, about 15, 20 minutes of traffic. Yeah, I would love to have gone, but I've been had a really busy week. But it's looked like a lot of fun down there. Everybody's like, it's great that they took over the old like uh, Johnny Rockets. I think so. I know exactly where they are. So. Yeah, I wish I could have gone. They're going to be up the whole weekend. Maybe I'll still I think it's up through Sunday. If you fly out, I'll come with you. <laughs> if you don't want to go. Maybe next time, Get my friend. Stuart was there. We saw pictures of Stuart. Shout out to Stuart. Hope they had a good time. Yeah. Getting some love from the fans. We, uh, I bet you're getting more love now. Now you, now you know how people love you now. Well, you want to jump into it, my friend? You want to jump into the boat? Yeah, let's do it. We got it queued up like we did last time. If you all watched our, or listened to our last podcast of one and two, we're, we're queued up at the Rancho Rosa logo. So you want to follow us, follow along with us. We're right there. Are you gonna ready to cl- click go? I'm ready right now. Okay, let's get ready. Go. Ooh, what color is that? That's yellow. Ooh, it's a golden orbit. When we watched the series on May 21st. I mean, we yeah, got- imagine how we felt when we were watching this. We were like, we were, we were, we had gone through the ringer already. Like I was gone through an emotional roller coaster those first two yeah. And I still wasn't sure, you know? Um, and so you and I had a lot of doubts here. We, well, we part two, it, part two ended. It was, it was good. And there was great, some great parts, but I just still was still not into the, the pacing yet and the Mr. C thing. And I was still had to, had to get used to it. So. Right. But yeah, this, this really the opening of part three, really, like we said, cemented it. Uh, for for both of us to have, I think for me this is my favorite opening, and I think the second favorite opening was that cold opening of Jerry in the woods in part seven. You know, being like confused yeah, and then calling Ben. I just loved how that opened, but nothing can top Cooper continuing to fall through space, and the camera come you know goes in. We're going to see it here in a couple of seconds, but. It was just so kind of shocking to to see it start off that way, and I was immediately like, I felt like I was. I think I know what happened. You and I just started screaming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here yeah. we go. We're about to get this. Was uh, I, we were like, well, what are we going to see? Where's it going to take us? I have no idea. Right. There's that pause. And, no, right? here yeah. we go. <laughs> it's great. He's dude. The iconic. This is like the version of Mad Men. The Mad Men fall right. through space. I was hoping. I remember like if the, the whole series ended with this shot, I'd be happy. And I still would have been. And it kind of did, in a way. Yeah, this was just truly yeah. amazing. To, the camera goes in. You could see his face. <laughs> like, he's very placid. To... He's really chill for doing it. He must have like, taken paratrooper school or something. Like that, <laughs> he's not scared. What do you think this is? This little birthing purple world like they keep cutting to now. But doesn't what it kind that? of resemble the atomic cloud explosion in part eight? Yeah. And the camera going into it and we see obviously the... I thought you saw a monkey the first time, a little flash of a monkey in that thing. In that purple cloud? Yeah, like a little flash. Yeah. No. 
No, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I mean, for me, it signifies going into another world, obviously. We didn't know when we watched this where he was. Here we see this vast purple ocean yeah. and this structure that resembles something straight out of uh, a racer head. And uh, I didn't know where, where we were. And, you know, Cooper's looking around, disoriented. And uh, I was just, like, mesmerized. I mean, this obviously wasn't anything that we had seen in the original series. This wasn't the Black Lodge. We didn't know of the White Lodge. This could very well be very similar to where the giant resides because of that purple. Let's say he goes bloop. When he goes zoop, when he falls in, yeah. it's like it's a silent little fall. I like that. Yeah. And there he's like, he's just kind of pondering the sea. It's just such an amazing, it's like a, a whole different, different part of the Lynchverse. It's a part of the lodge, and we never knew it existed. It's well, that's what I think. I mean, this is you know an extension of that. He literally went through the floor of the lodge, found himself in the glass box, and then through the glass box in space, and now here. I forgot that he pondered the sea so long. He's been doing staring at it for like 15 seconds. Right. And now he's like snapping out of it. Like, what the hell am I doing? Right. And he sees the window, and obviously it's the only port uh, point of entry. Is it a window? I thought it was a door. It looks like a window, oh, actually. He isn't. Oh, no, that's a door. I don't think oh, wait. No, you're right. It's a window. Yeah, that's not a door. Yeah. And as soon as he steps in and we see our first glimpse of NATO and... Um, you mean Judy? <laughs> that's still a mystery, right? Diane? We still don't know what the hell or who the hell she is. I'm still convinced she's not Diane. This is a trap. This is just like Skywalker going into the cave at Yoda's. It's like this is, a, this is a Vader trap. Even though that was a Yoda test, this feels like a trap to me. Little, little night well, it could be because we have two portals here, right? And we have Mother yeah. knocking at the door. Yeah, what's the symbolism of her eyes? Like, what does it mean to you? Like, what does that, other than just the Lynchian, you know, visual... You mean by having no yeah. eyes? Yeah, but yeah, having the eyes sewn shut. Like, what does that mean? The blind faith of all the damsels that he's failed in his past life that put their blind faith in him? And I don't know. I think that since what we know about Part 8 with the atomic explosion, you know, really causing the rift that allowed... You know, the experiment, Jaude, to enter, Bob, the woodsman, that she could be a part of that because she is close to the fireman's domain. We had the Pendreki um, score, which evoked Hiroshima. And I'm not saying that you know, that is the case here. I mean, she's of Asian descent. But uh, I would guess that there isn't any real like solid reason for her to be blind it's like a lynch visual that you know he just dreams up certain ideas he has these he's a painter by trade and that's who she was i've never read into anything with her being blind yeah just this shuddering this moving forwards and backwards the doll like they have her like a doll like a you know the way they cut it and the, and she's wearing the I'm assuming is a red maroon dress and I think Lynch is always very particular. She's feeling about, his face like uh, like Diane uh, felt his face in Part 18 here. So maybe you mean uh, the sex scene in Part 18? Yeah, yeah. yeah she carried his face. Dude, what is this loud the loud pounding? Okay, like I, I've always been like we never talked this, but what is the like the visual? It's always like kind of befuddled me. Like what is that we're looking at? Like it's a door. Is it a door like those white? squiggly things on the wall that's banging is that a doorknob i've always kind of associated that shape as more kind of metallic and it always evoked for me when in part five the black box disintegrated into that little kind of metallic shape and we got we have no other callback to that at any other point but 
for me, it always reminded me of those little two images there. It's evocative of some of his like his paintings yeah. and stuff. I don't know what that means, but it's very scary. And I was terrified when this was happening. I was like, what the fuck? But now it feels like that is Judy or mother that maybe she had chased him from part one or she's been chasing him. You know, maybe she's uh, she was going to try to catch him in the box. And now here she is on his trail here in part three. The, the fact time. that the American girl mentions my mother is coming and that's who's knocking at the door. Uh, I think everyone associates with the experiment who we think could be Jaude. But Cooper coming up to that first portal, 1 5, 15, yeah, 15 and it five. changing to 3 eventually. It also cuts it to a brooding tone. It's a brooding tone, according to the subject. Well, the 3 and the 1 5 is the, the room key at the Great Northern Hotel. Yeah. And it's also um, the electrical pole number 6 that we see numerous times in the series is a multiple. They're all multiples of three. And the, the number three played a huge role in this series, not only with like three Coopers, there's all kinds of references to threes uh, in, in this series. And we know Lynch is big into to numerology, but uh, here NATO actually like does the old throat slit you know, telling Cooper that if he goes through this portal that you know, it, it's death for him. It's it's the wrong decision. Yeah, was she telling him the truth, or was that a fake out? It has to be the truth. Well, not if it's Judy. If not if it's Judy pretending to be her. If it's Diane or if it's Nido, then it, then she was telling the truth. If it's Judy pretending to be Nido, then she was. Yeah, but I think just because of where she, she where she wound sense. up at, you know, near Jack Rabbit's palace, <laughs> that she is good. <laughs> she isn't a representative of evil or an agent of Judy or the experiment. Um, and I, I think that her intentions are good. I mean, here she is leading him out of the room. And what, when we saw this. What a spectacular shot. Amazing. Yeah. I remember you said like, dude, I just want, I'd love 30 more minutes yeah. of this. And I was like, yes, <laughs> just give me this. I want to stay right. in this I could have stayed here for, you know, countless hours. God, what a great shot. This is so yeah. amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Right. The first time we like see this bell-like you know, object. Yeah. Is this some sort of like subway state or like, you know, airport or whatever, like, you know, for multi-dimensions? Is that where they are at a way station here? They could travel to different spots? Is that what this is? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't have any answer for you. I mean, the only thing that I could really... I feel like that's what it is. Suggest... Like he was able to go on his journey. He ended up here. So he's on his journey and here he is at the bus station or the airport. <laughs> a multi-dimensional, like, yeah, hyperloop. Yeah, but the whole thing it. is that he was not supposed on to... the wrong bus. ...exit this way. I mean, he was always, in my opinion, supposed to exit through the lodge. Well, see, here's the thing, though. If this is, if she is Nido or she is Diane and she's good, then why did the the one our man say you were tricked when she went through? The, he went through the portal that, that Nido told him to go through. Well, I think he mentions being tricked about you know Dougie and Mister C's plan. I don't think it was in reference to uh, Nido. Well, but I think like the the implication is if he had gone through a different the other fifteen, the one five that he would not have ended up in Dougie. He would have ended up in Mister C as according to plan. Well, no, I think that he was supposed to exit the lodge He went at that point in part two where he opened the drapes and he saw Mr. C driving. I think that's when the switch was supposed to happen. I don't think that going through 15 would have led him directly to Mr. C. I mean, I think there's where, a where reason why. Where, where do you think it would have Because well, it's the whole non-existent thing. He would have just been electrocuted and died. That's it. What if he went through 15? <laughs> like sticking it. Yeah, just like he would just tuck his hand and just electrocuted. And no, like, I, like I want to, like my, I want to say, it's not a theory, but... If this was a trap, my thinking is that 15 would have taken him to the black box in Buenos Aires. <laughs> 
How could he have fit in that thing? <laughs> it's tiny. Would he have been on a nano level? He would have been a nano Well, cube? just like kind of think Jeffries is... Speaking Argentinian or speaking <laughs> Spanish, whatever it is down there. Well, you just missed the Major Briggs classic moment when we saw that. Yeah, that was amazing. Ooh, is that, I love that. I was like, holy shit. Yes. I love Mr. Major Briggs. I was so happy to see that. Well, that's what I was saying about... Although we're still kind of baffled by the Blue Rose clue. We're still wondering... Well, no, that's a clue about the Tulpa Dougie now. Or it could be in reference to NATO with Diane. We didn't know anything about Tulpas, but now the Blue Rose is, in my opinion, it's really mostly about like Tulpas. Lois Duffy, NATO, um, you know, God knows who else. And I think that's the Major's clue to Cooper there, but... Going back to the black box, I mean, there's a I, that is some kind of communication device, portal, something. And the fact that it actually became this small little metallic object after Mr. C called it and spoke that message, the cow jumped over the moon. And it's in Buenos Aires, where Jeffries was in Fight Walk With Me, and while we wound up in Philadelphia, just always made me think of a some kind of a portal. And if it was a trap, why not? Cooper being trapped in that black box that Mr. C's plan was twofold well there's Vegas and Dougie hitman take care of him or he goes through this portal 15 and winds up in the black box and I got him trapped either way I've got him just a theory like Josie's the doorknob yeah right (laughs) six senses of humor those large characters all right well here he's down the he went down the stairs now he's looking at number three yeah there's a blue rose on the table, Yeah, right? blue right there in the table. Now, this is all... The American don't girl. you think this is still an extension of the Black Lodge, like his journey, the non-existent journey that he's yes. going through right here? And now we're seeing the American girl played by Renette Plasky. And I think there's a very good reason why Lynch cast Phoebe Augustine in this role. Because now, here we go, once the switch, the lever was pulled, even though we still are, in our opinion, through the Black Lodge... There are certain callbacks, and Cooper is familiar. Uh, it does look like he Yeah, he knows what you know, Renette Pulaski looks like, and uh, I think this is just the first sign that we're getting here. And now I think she recognizes him as well. I'm not saying she is Renette Pulaski, but it's very curious that she is listed as American Girl in the credits. Um, she's listed as Renette Pulaski in part 17 when we have the flashback to Firewalk with me. Here we go with a 253. The number of completion. Time to go. Or, That's right. Time yeah. to go. So you do not think he's being tricked here? Or you do think he's... Because he's, he's, uh, he's obviously going off course. He's falling into Mr. C's trap. But he's just doing it on his own without the help of Nido? Uh, Is that your... Well, now, yeah. Reason? Well, I think he got help from, from Nido uh, here to change uh, the portal. So she helps him, yeah. So maybe she is Diane then. Well, then she is Diane. If, I mean, right? She can't just be Nido because Diane's face got, you know, in 17. Well, <laughs> and it was revealed to be Diane, right? Either it's Diane or it's Judy. The whole Diane thing is too murky Diane. for me. I just don't. Uh, that I requires so. more speculation, more um, thought, more time um, than I think we can get into right here. Because um, I love this idea of Mr. C and the yeah, car like, and why are the they showing him why are they showing him in the car like if it wasn't a possibility for him to go through i guess they're setting up the tension because we don't know as an audience what's going to happen when he goes through this upon first viewing we might, we think he might go through and end up in so do you think that's just for uh our purposes well yeah because i think the implication is like there's never a possibility through either of these electrical outlets to end up in mr c 
Well, yeah, isn't the insinuation that he's going to, Mr. C's going to come out of the cigarette lighter and uh, then yeah. Mr. C's going to return to the lodge. And uh, so it is like a setup. And I think he knows that this day, Mr. C knows that it's supposed to happen. The switch is supposed to happen. That's why he has this plan or when these plans in place. When you get there, you will already be there. Right. I love that That's line. a great line. It's great. And obviously it's in reference to Dougie. And she's wearing a red top, too. Uh, you know, I think that's very significant. Uh, NATO is wearing a red uh, dress. Um, like I said, Lynch is very specific with his uh, costume design. If, if blue rose implicate, means tulpa, then was the blue rose on the table there by, by the American girl indicate that she is some sort of tulpa or doppel? Is she a doppel tulpa Renette? Well, it could be. But here's the thing. Here's something that we can think about oh now. the pounding here comes mother uh-oh you better hurry this is freaking what me out. if we know in part 17 that cooper saved laura and laura didn't die but renette was with leo and jacques what if renette was murdered by leland bob and this is renette oh and oh. her either spirit or on a different timeline yes. you're saying if just laura was yeah. not there that she, do you think they would have killed her they wouldn't have, wait. Who would have killed? You're saying that like Leo and Jacques would have killed. No, Renette? like Leland would have still gone to the cabin. But why would Leland have gone if Laura wasn't there? She would. He would never have gone out there. They would have known. They were there. Well, I think Leland Bob was still chasing. Oh, there goes shoes. Right. <laughs> right. That's so good. I'm just God. That head. With his head getting sucked in like that. That's one of the most amazing shots I've ever yeah. seen in all of Lynchy. This whole little so 10, 15 minute set piece was just uh, incredible. But no, the whole Renette thing is that what we know now. I mean, I'm not saying that is Renette. I'm not saying it's a Tulpa or Renette, but I think there's a very specific reason why Lynch decided to cast Phoebe Augustine in that role. And knowing what we know now about the alternate timeline with Laura not being murdered, um, there could be a very good reason why a character who looks like Renette Pulaski is in this realm, this other dimension. Maybe she wasn't trapped there. Maybe it was the toll for her, but she was like at the, they're at the bus station, right? The cosmic bus station. Maybe she was just waiting for a bus. And she was just giving them like directions. Like, just so you know, when you get there, you'll already be there later. You know, better hurry up. You know, so like, you know, maybe, maybe it's, she's not stuck there. Maybe she was on her way somewhere else. Wheels up. This is a good. There he goes. Yeah. Coop is a terrible driver. Good thing he has a seatbelt on. Right. I love those look at his face. Right. <laughs> As he's flipping over. Yay! So good. I was still not bought in on, on Mr. C just yet at this point. I was like, he's still just silly to me. Oh, yeah. This is a great shot. What was that shot when they cut to the stereo? It looks like it was a piece of astroturfus on it for a while. What's that all about? I don't think I caught that. Just uh... It's like a little sliver of a liquid. They first cut to the, it looks like astroturf or something. What is that? Hmm. Are you talking about the cigarette lighter? Yeah, before it goes to the cigarette lighter, before it's like this kind of, it's, we've already missed it. But it was like that shot we're seeing here, the Lincoln, it kind of had a different little... Hmm. Well, this whole thing is really curious because we're going to cut to Dougie here in a second, his introduction, but we're also going to see the actual red drapes of the Black Lodge here in the middle of South Dakota somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) which makes me think that the Black Lodge is infinite. Yep, here he is. Yeah. (laughs) And when we cut to this, this Rancho Rosa cut, we were like, what the fuck is happening here? Right. We've never seen this before. Do you think that if he would have spewed his Garmin Bozia before Dougie got sucked in that he would have been Mr. C would have been sucked in I don't know about the rules of the Garmbazia intake and what that <laughs> means so I'm not really sure I have to ask the geniuses but here we are with Dougie our first shot of Dougie which the first time I saw him I was like are we in December <laughs> right. I'm saying because he looks like he's like one of Mickey's idiots <laughs> with the hair excuse me <laughs> in the green, in the green jacket yeah this was great this was so unexpected 
because I didn't know what the hell, like I, you said, we could be in an alternate timeline here. It didn't look like it with the cars out front, but we didn't have any idea what the hell was going on. Here is someone who looks just like Yeah, Cooper. nothing ever leaked ever about Dougie. Nothing was ever leaked. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no one before. We had no clue about this yeah. guy. Third Cooper. Fantastic. And, and his arm is numb, and we see yeah, here in a second the ring. Just really, mine was still reeling from the events that we just saw with uh, Cooper with NATO and the American girl and now we have Mr. C he's got the fucking the ring on ring with that freaked man. me out we were like what and he's got this what does that mean yeah you know, I thought he was like a century 21 agent uh, putting on this uh, yeah. this jacket here yeah, in one of his houses yeah, yeah. and uh, just really perplexed of what's going on I mean the first half of this episode was so disorienting like Janie's, Janie's been feeding him chocolate cake for a lot longer <laughs> than just the 18 episodes <laughs> For years, did you think that he and uh, Andy shared the same fat tummy? <laughs> I think yeah, <laughs> just split it. Like yeah. saving money, yeah. Here we go. God, oh, the whole the three Coopers, their journeys here, so amazing to have. Oh God, he's gonna puke. Oh man, just this uh, is such a fucked up scene. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I didn't know what to expect, and we don't know where Cooper is right now. He's in transit somewhere, obviously. Um, while we see what happens to uh, Mr. C, and we're learning about uh, Dougie here crawling on the floor. Isn't it weird now, in retrospect, that like we just all assumed that like Mr. C created Dougie in a tulpa? Like, how did we really know that? Like, people just took that leap of faith pretty quickly. You mean after we found out about tulpas? Yeah, we yeah we well, that's a week new, you know, uh, for sure. But like before that, we just kind of like oh. Mr. C just created him somehow, but that was never mentioned, right. really. All I said was, like, I've got a plan for that. That's all he did. Oh, here comes the vomit. Oh, do you, what kind of shit do, they, do you think they use for the vomit? Like stunt vomit. Stunt, <laughs> stunt vomit. I don't know. Whoa. Sonic Puff. What the fuck was that? I liked, her, I liked Jade's reaction to that. That was so real. Yeah, it looked like, like a piece fuck? of meat with a little bit of Garmin Bozia. Yeah. And then now we're going to get... Stifled gagging. Oh. <laughs> that was Dougie. great. <laughs> On the throne. I just started laughing like crazy. And it's still 253, the lighter. There's still some kind of transfer. Here it comes. Now oh, the Garmin Bozia. Dude. Had a few knots like that. And like some scorched that. engine oil, it looks like. There's a combination. Yeah, it's like Garmin Bozia. It's not good. Yeah. It's toxic. It's good. You think it would be like steaming and like burning through his clothing yeah. and stuff. Like singeing his face. <laughs> Dougie in the lodge. Here we go. Dougie in the lodge. This is right. awesome. <laughs> He's just laughing at one one her man. Like, who the fuck? Fuck just like, just, you. What the fuck? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly how I would react if I was in the lodge. I feel right. funny. <laughs> God, this is so amazing to see this Cooper character. We had no idea. It was well, obviously uh, Jade called him Dougie, but we didn't know if, even if Rancho Rosa was real. And now we get the someone manufactured. Uh, you for a purpose. Well, I guess that's the implication. Yeah, someone manufactured and no shoes well, that he had. Yeah, what? No shoes. His shoes right. also. I wonder what they have against shoes. Well, he was uh, he was in flagrante delicto with Jade. Oh, he didn't yeah. have his shoes on. That's yeah. right. But the one our man knows what's up because he can create a tulpa pretty damn quickly. But uh, it's a little curious that he He's didn't know of Dougie's existence. Maybe he did though. He well, seems surprised to see Dougie here, don't you think? He seemed kind of disappointed. I think he was expecting going, Mr. C here, don't you? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He, Cooper fucked up. Like, he, I think at least he's saying it again. Haven't we done this? Oh, there goes his right. hand. That's weird. <laughs> that's weird. 
I would be freaking out a little bit more than this if my hand started shrinking like that. I think he is starting. Oh, that, there goes that, his head. Bing. And here's Bye-bye. some interesting effects here with the black <laughs> smoke, and we get our seed, our gold seed, and then our some. Seed. I don't know. Um, what is this? Yeah, what are we about to see? This abstract cancerous yeah. soul um, that was within Dougie. I'm not sure what that is. It's like a little brain or planet. Yeah, doesn't it make this kind of experiment? It's kind of like the evolution of the arm's head. Ooh, and it turns into like yeah, it's oozing out like whatever the fuck that yeah, is. It spits you know? out the gold and seed. Breaks off into a little piece. Yeah, yeah and then we get our smoke, and then uh, I think Caitlin online uh, discovered like she did a screenshot, and I think I think I think it was her, but like uh, that one Armana's wearing like a Brooks Brothers jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have Brooks Brothers in the lodge. Well, he's still like Philip Gerard, right? I mean, that's the vessel. <laughs> yeah. Unless he has orthopedic shoes on as well. So he's got the ring. He never gets to sit down much. Well, I guess he doesn't get to sit down. So okay, here he is. No more Dougie. We got a seed. We got right, the ring. And here is the same shot here's from Firewalk with me with this yeah. golden kind of shell and table where he puts the ring, just like the uh, the man from another place did in Firewalk with me. It's kind of ritualistic. It's probably where the Wonder Man like drops his keys in his wallet <laughs> when he comes to the day. The phone. It's got all the shit bills. And the ring. You think they'd have a ring, like a little, you know, like a little place to put it, a little ornamental, ceremonial. Just there it is. God, he looks no disturbed, doesn't he? As he walks yeah, away. Yeah, he doesn't look up. Yeah, I think he's upset that like Cooper is an idiot. I think. I think he's. Well, no, he want. I think he expected up. Mr. C to, to be there. It didn't happen. Mr. C right. foiled. So that's what I mean. You have to be. Someone foiled him. Who foiled? Did he foil himself then? Who the one our man? Cooper, did Cooper foil himself? Like, you, like I think the, we're clear that one our man is surprised to see Dougie here and not Mr. C. And so, how did Mr. or how did Cooper fuck up? Did he fuck up on his own? Did Judy trick him, or you know, or what? Like, how did he end up not where he was supposed to be? Well, I think because of where he went with the actual uh, NATO flipping the switch, right? Maybe it was the uh, evolution of the arm, the little non-existent doppel uh, evolution of the arm guy that dropped him in, non-existent, and made him fall through the, the you know, the, that that could have been, and he changed the plans. Well, we talked about, right, the actual Black Lodge mm-hmm. having a doppel of itself. You know, doppel, doppel Lodge, Lodge, yeah, the doppel evolution of the right. arm seemed to have changed the plans. Maybe he's the culprit. I'm just trying to give someone credit. Yeah, right. fucking up this plan. I love how he's laid on the carpet here with the people right. <laughs> Just looking. Just like, he is. Here he is back doing? in the real world, but... Is he back in the real world? Because this is the beginning of the journey of Cooper living the life of Dougie Jones, the dream uh, that we all suspect, or that you and I suspect, that uh, that Cooper is having, that culminates in part 17. Like Now we're starting to see, like, everything is kind of unreal. In a second, we're going to get a shot of uh, Sycamore Street, and we're going to see the key to the Great Northern, and then Cooper is going to be at the Silver Mustang Casino, and he's going to see little Black Lodge images above the slot machines. And so it's now starting here that Cooper is in a different plane, and I think it's an extension of the Black Lodge. He's still asleep. He's fucked up from his journey. He's scrambled. And uh, he's going to be like this for the next like 14 hours. <laughs> we thought this was going to last like two episodes. Right, we didn't know. <laughs> How long could this last? <laughs> the whole season. Yeah, but it, it is interesting that he, when he winds up at the casino, he's like, hello, call for help. But at some points, like in six, seven, eight, he almost like regresses to, um, you know, even less intelligence than he has here right at the beginning in part three. Um, 
which I find a little curious. I'm surprised you're not mentioning the, the FBI pin. Isn't it gone now? Oh, yeah, the FBI. Yeah, it is. Do you want to extrapolate? <laughs> Shall we delve <laughs> into the us? FBI pin? <laughs> yeah, so he lost his shoes, and he also lost his FBI pin, but somehow retained the key to the Great Northern Hotel. Or maybe it just manifested in this dream world right now. It wasn't there until well, I don't necessarily think it's a dream world. I think that this is... he. It looks real. It is... Or a lodge yes, manifested it's, world. It's... It is like he is in the Black Lodge. Instead of seeing the chevron pattern floor and the red drapes, we're seeing this Rancho Rosa community, and we're seeing Lucky Seven Insurance, and we're seeing the Janie E. home. This is all through Cooper's mind, as opposed to um, the actual reverse of the audience looking at Cooper. This is all taking place... In Is there anything mind. in Vegas that Cooper would not know about, like smartphones or any you know, technology, any sort of indication that this is not a dream world? Well, I, off the top of your head. No, not off the top of my head. No, but yeah. here's Mr. C's plan or part of his plan to hire hitmen through Duncan Todd to take out Mr. C, part one of many, many, many failed hit jobs on Cooper. Yeah, I kind of had a realization. I always thought that the 119 girl woman was uh, like their neighbors, but don't you think they're probably just squatters? It's possible, yeah. There's, well, the, you see cars and driveways here, but this is obviously, I wouldn't say a rundown an community, but... Yeah. Uh, I think it's foreclosed on for a lot of it. Yeah. And, Not all of it, though. Looks like right. they're neighbors. But the 119 woman, I think... Here we go, Sycamore Street, right? So, Sycamore Street, yeah. yeah. Here's a, like a clue... This is the first clue he gets as Dougie. How many clues do you think he gets that we see in the next 15 episodes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many clues? Probably well, 50? Yeah, there's a slew of, of yeah. clues here. 50 clues? Yeah. But I was saying about the 119 woman is that... <laughs> a slew of clues? The, yeah. he get obviously, it. that's reverse. Stick his fucking hand in a fork in an electrical socket. Right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The 119 is actually like a reverse of 911. This episode is Call for Help. And we know that people speak in reverse in the Black Lodge. I think it's just another clue. People wanted to, you know, assign some like, you know, meaning to who that woman and the little boy was. There was the red balloon. But I don't think it's anything more than a little subtle clue that what we're dealing here is more lodge rules. Well, here it is. He ducks down. Well, he didn't duck down. down. He, he dropped his down. key, right? Yeah, he dropped his keys and ducks down to pick it up and he saves the yeah, that's it. Right. First, first opportunistic moment for Dougie. Right. He's, he's blessed in this world. How long do you think Dougie would have lasted in the real world in Vegas? Like five minutes? For yeah, you that's it. Right, yeah. Or it, mugged or killed. Not or long at all. Yeah, taken hostage. <laughs> <laughs> and his kidneys harvested. Right. <laughs> I really like Jade's performance. I like the actress. I don't know her name, but she was really good. Yeah, no, she was good. She doesn't. She seems so real. She doesn't seem like a lodge creation at all. No, she's one she of these kind of you know, kind of uh, beacons of light. Here's this prostitute with a heart of gold. Now here we get the opposite, the 119 woman who's drug-addled. I wonder how this actress feels about <laughs> this is their role. <laughs> she probably thought there was hoping there'd be more or some more, you know, because it's still completely Yeah, but it is memorable, like isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of it people remember yeah. this character. They wanted... I think that was the last shot we saw of her, though, when the car exploded and they cut to her and they cut to that really ominous music, like, yeah. dun, dun, like some, you know... Fogner or something. I was like, what does this mean? I thought it was going to be the beginning of something. And that was, that was I think, the last I think time we that saw that might have been. We might have gotten one of the yeah. shot. No, but I, well, I think you're right. I think that might have been the last shot of her. Yeah. And there's our first red balloon in the background. We'll see many, many more, yeah, more examples. There, I saw that there's this uh, French film from the 50s called Red Balloon. It's like a short film. And 
it's highly acclaimed, very heavy on the symbolism. We know Lynch is a huge fan of uh, uh, of the French and French filmmakers like Jacques Dati, and he was at the AFI studying film in the late '60s. Um, I wonder if there is a connection, maybe, to that French film. We know Lynch obviously is a huge fan of like Kubrick. Um, there's references to Lolita, Hitchcock, references to Vertigo. Frost and Lynch peppered the original series with any number of cinematic and television references. references? Thank you very much. So, um, well, if we count the balloons, maybe there's 99, <laughs> 99 left balloons. Famous 99 Luft balloons? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Back to Coop. Our Mr. C. Passed on the side of the road. Wasn't he him. traveling to go see Ray in North Dakota, but he was going west, right? He's going the wrong way. Isn't that well, what, that's what Tammy uh, said? Tammy right. says but he would have yeah. been going east. And inside he's got the cocaine, the AK, and the dog leg in the back of this trunk yeah. here. Is that what we're going to realize? Yeah. Did I mention the whole thing with going? like a Jerry speech in uh, part one about the uh, Indica Sativa hybrid? That there could be like three clues related to Mr. C and his little speech. One was uh, the AK-47, which was the gun found in his trunk. The other one was Wheels Up, which could reference the accident. And the other one was the uh, Creative Sojourns of a Solitary Nature, which... I think it's you know could very well relate to uh, Mr. C's story. All of his driving with the son, his <laughs> yeah, right, conversations with the son right, didn't happen. Right. That was one of the I would say many disappointments, but uh, uh, scenes that uh, I felt that we would get some kind of explanation for would be the Garmin Bozia. Um, there was no other other than the, the cops saying that, well, there was this toxic uh, material found in the car. Yeah, we wanted to get, yeah, you were like begging for that for like five know, podcasts. Right? You like, wanted to get what the actual like, chemical components of the Garmin Bazzi oh. is. Maybe everybody who tested it died, so they were unable to determine. It just would have been nice to have some kind of like, you know, just one more reference to the Garmin Bazzi. Here we go, Andy. Well, we got a reference to the chocolate bunnies. Yeah, this is the chocolate yeah, bunny. That's right. This is uh, a scene that went on. This is a scene I didn't I love right. the first time, but now I like it. You and I were just counting our clock. We were looking at the watch, our watch the entire time, going like, this is just wasted time. We were a little bit too antsy, I think. But uh, now I can appreciate this scene. Well, I mean, we know that the original series was slated to be nine hours. It wound up being 18 hours. And I think that Lynch very well knew how he was going to direct it. That something like this on the page, which could very well have been like, you know, a half a page, three quarters of a page which would have in normal screen time equated to like 30 or 45 seconds. The scene went on for like four or five minutes. It seems kind of like a frosty and like existential, like talking about what this is, this is here, what's missing, what isn't, how could, you know, I think that's kind of frosty in that dialogue, their little repartee here. Yeah, a little bit, I think. Yeah. But uh, it just yeah. went on and on and on and coming off this really 35 minute opening of this Cooper the, the three Cooper storylines Cooper Mr. C and Dougie and then just putting on the brakes right here with Andy Lucy and Hawk um, was um, jarring <laughs> thank you jarring right <laughs> and just Lucy I, I vacillate with Lucy I, 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 some of her scenes were just painful and excruciating with uh do you think your character the entire time was sitting there looking at that missing bunny and freaking out in her head going, oh my God, they're going to know, they're going to know. That's <laughs> right. the they're going to bust me up. Gonna but even that, it's the like... The entire time. kind of looks like she's doing gas bubble. Tapping her finger. She's like, oh, here it is. She yeah. passes it. <gasps> there's two of them missing. Are, there, are they all missing or is there... Wait, how many are missing? Well, it looks like there's two missing, the but she probably just ate one, oh, right? Yeah. We don't know how many were in the box yeah. originally. I wonder if Andy created the act like Harry Ghost created Punky or is Punky like the nickname that like Mark Froster made <laughs> for her? But he called her Punky in the original it? series, right? Yeah. 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 What's with Andy's hair? 
Do you think he does that in real life? I think he does. I've seen pictures of him. I think that's his look because I think he's got a big bald spot. He was balding in the original series. I only got another eight hours to kill with this. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk about Audrey. Remember Audrey, like it turns out Sherlyn Finn, like refused to do the first character. Oh, yeah. Did you read about that? And that like that he had to rewrite. And that's what we ended up seeing was the rewritten version of her character. Like what would her character have been? Would it have been like the Sylvia scene? Yeah, that's what it was. She was supposed to be. Yeah, that's it. it. She's, that would be Sylvie, and that's it. That's the I only scene. I think so, and she freaked out. Oh God! And uh, yeah, and so, but if you think about it, right? <laughs> God, can you? I would freak out too. Like, here you go. It's gonna be rough one day, yeah. though. So that's on it. the cuff, right? So on the fly, what he does is he creates this whole new scene of Audrey, or these scenes of Audrey. Scenes, yeah. scenes. But yeah, like thirty minutes of a whole fucking episode. Yeah, but almost. basically, uh, you know, stuck, confused, doesn't know where she's at. <laughs> And yeah. ultimately, she recreates her iconic moment from the original series and realizes that it's not reality. And when she does wake up, she is in some kind of netherworld looking at her face in the mirror without like any makeup and aged. I don't know if there was a little slight dig there or a little meta thing going on, but... Uh, I didn't know that she was originally supposed to have just the one scene. And it seems very curious that they would only write her in to that one scene. Right, with the whole Dickie Horn thing. Like, how could they just put her in that one scene and that be it? Like, that seems... Maybe that's the only the first scene she saw. You know, that there was going to be a couple of other ones, maybe. But it also seems strange to replace one scene with, uh, you know, 30 minutes or an entire episode. Like, what got cut to, to fill, for, to have, you know, 40 minutes of new Audrey stuff to fill it up? You know, like, wasn't there talk that, like, a big, huge, expensive scene in the script had to be cut because they couldn't afford it? Well, I think they said that there were things in the script that were too expensive to film, not maybe just one thing, and they had to alter it. Like I said, I think that the script was very fluid. I think, obviously, it was uh, uh, structured in such a way, and uh, but I think over time even before production during and, and during production, it was evolving. And I think that Lynch probably was doing more of the heavy lifting at that point. Um, this still watching it, you know, digesting it again. This really does feel to, in my opinion, not a season three of twin peaks. It really does feel like more of a sequel to fire walk with me. And now that we know about yeah, it you know, how it, how it ended, and uh, the Blue Rose cases, obviously Cooper's journey, that and not spending as many time uh, as much time in Twin Peaks. The scenes that we do get in Twin Peaks with some of the characters being more kind of tangential, like Firewalk with Me. If you look at the missing pieces, if you put the missing pieces together with what we know as Firewalk with Me, it's about I don't know four hours uh, long. And a lot of those scenes that were cut, like Pete and Josie, nothing related to the plot. Big Ed and Norma, nothing related to the plot. Jacoby, who we're seeing here with his gold shovels. Yeah, it was the shovel know, painting. Calling shovel painting uh, scene in Laura the on the night before she dies. It feels a lot like what we're seeing here in the series. And we know Lynch loved Fire Walk With Me. And uh, I always envisioned doing more the movies but it was such a critical and, and financial uh, failure that it took you know the 25 years to do it. And I think that his, one of his big plans was to go back to the Fire Walk With Me well and uh, expand upon that mythology more than the original series. I mean, other than really a couple of things in the second season, 
uh, obviously leading up to Laura's murder and or uh, Maddie's murder and the revelation of Leland and the final episode, there isn't a lot in the second season that carried over here. It's really like, you know, the pilot, the first season and Firewalk with me. Yep. So here we are at the Silver Mustang Casino for the first time. Jade's dropping off. Uh, Dougie yeah. King. Doesn't he see Laura here? Doesn't like she say. Yeah, I'm about to see a Laura. Like, you can go right. out now. Like she. Yeah. Jade just says. And it. then he, and here he goes, remembers what? Laura saying it. We actually fly. It's right here. Yeah. yeah. I like the way she says out. And then she pushes him out oh, of the car. Yeah. She's like, he doesn't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> we yeah. had no idea. We were like, oh, this is one scene, one bit. Right, push right. him out. Well, this is funny. We won't have 500 of these coming, will we? Will we? I love how he's pushing did. him. He's like, just kind of leaning. Yeah. He doesn't know what the hell to do. He's not going to close the door. And uh, walking without. Oh, he's got the brown shoes. That's right. He's got Dougie shoes on. And she drives off. And I thought never to be seen again, but we do get one more scene of her. Yeah. Dougie was a little heavier. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. This is here's some Jacques Tati, some Lynchian absurdist comedy here. Yeah, Dougie tackles yeah, the Yeah, right. The it's like, uh, also like uh, yeah. we're big kids in the Hall fans. Uh, there's uh, Mr. Heavyfoot, played by Dave Foley, which is these kind of Jacques Tati-inspired <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. little vignettes. And uh, I want to ask Stuart the next time we talk to him, because I think this actually this casino might be in Commerce, which is somehow the Commerce Casino around here in Los Angeles. And he said he worked as a casino manager during our interview with him uh, in commerce, I was wondering if he oh. actually worked at one point at the Silver Mustang oh, Casino. I thought he worked in Reno. Fantastic. Or was he a DJ in Reno? Uh, yeah, he just mentioned at the very end of our conversation that he had been, uh, when he liked to scare people, he was talking about, you know, scaring people while he was a uh, casino manager at the Oh, commerce that's casino. right. That's right. Could yeah. be this. Yeah. yeah. Remember the cashier? Yeah, she's a classic actress. Meg, Fo- was, uh, Meg Foster, again? I believe. And she was in a slew of uh, great 80s great movies. Eyes. She's got... Yeah. Uh, these really yeah. like really kind of striking blue eyes but i recall that uh her ring on her hand looked very similar to the all cave ring <laughs> yeah you and i were freeze framing that for about an hour i think we spent right? an hour trying, trying to, to figure out if she had a ring on what do you think now do you think that was a false yeah. flag like oh i would one. say yes my friend yeah maybe every uh, employee of the casino is wearing one because this is like a lodge and creation well that could very well be every yeah. casino yeah, employee well could be yeah, yeah. This goes to show you, any gamblers in the world, $5, you can win like half a million dollars based on just a $5. But isn't it amazing, like, looking back on it and just thinking of Frost and Lynch, conceiving this, this new series, and conceiving the the Dougie storyline with Cooper and how it was going to unfold and not having Agent Cooper or the Agent Cooper that we know in the show for like you know, for I mean, pretty much the whole show is 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 without Agent Cooper, and how that was going to play from yeah. three to fifteen, I mean, three to sixteen. That was on right? purpose. Episode three, okay, three to sixteen, yeah. three right? 16, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, it's so ballsy. But looking back on it now, the way that it resolved, like in part seventeen, I think they spent too much time with the Cooper character in Dougie Land because really. Other than the Janie E and Sonny Jim and them getting their little happy ending and obviously the Mitchum brothers, but, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. It didn't really mean anything. Lucky Seven, the Vegas cop. Remember the Vegas cops when they got the uh, uh, the report with the fingerprints? They go, like, oh, this guy's like an FBI agent or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and roll it and throw it in the trash. I mean, that was like Lynch and Frost basically saying this doesn't mean shit. Well, one scene I wouldn't cut would be this scene. This, Mr. this is great. Yeah. Hello! <laughs> it is great, yeah. yeah. This is so good. But 
all the scenes of Dougie, you know, looking over the case files, going into elevators, walking down hallways, you're trying to take a piss. And what would be the one Dougie scene off the top of your head that you would immediately cut? Just done. Cut it out. I know what I would cut is the Viva Las Vegas transition scene. I'd do that. Excuse me. <laughs> well, it's I think a lot of the Lucky Seven for me was redundant. Um, I didn't really like that storyline, Anthony That's Sinclair. I mean, not that I didn't like it, it just wasn't compelling uh, compared to a lot of the other. I think the Sizemore stuff could have been cut down a little bit. I think Sizemore didn't quite. It was a little. Yeah, I would have rather had more of the Mitchum brothers involved and more conga lines and more Candy, Mandy, and Sandy. Um, and, and less um, Anthony Sinclair. And I like the, the, the co-workers at uh, Lucky 7, but they really didn't have anything to do. Um, I think you want to cut the scene where the, the, the one of his employees helps him go to the bathroom. And she's like, I might date you, Nate, you know, after. Well, she says, like, I might let you kiss me. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah or something right. like that. You broke that real good. I've done that before in my life. It's fun to win a little thing but like that. But to see you know, the Black Lodge. There it is. Brain. Above these. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this? So what do you when think? Do you think it's it. the what one-armed is... man or do you think it's the evolution of the arm? It's one of the two, right? I would say it's the one-armed man since we've seen him. We see him like 12 well, times. Well, but the uh, evolution, evolution of the arm shows up with like the spike. Well, it's like baby group, like baby evolution. Well, there's the uh, Lady Jackpots right there. God, that was such a touching. Yeah, that scene in 16. Was it 16 or 15? I don't know. Which one was it? 13? I've lost track completely. <laughs> I think it was. I no think idea. It was 13. It was either 12 or 13. One of those two. Yeah. I thought it was 11. Uh, it could have been 11. <laughs> anyway, the, the very end, the Maybe scene where they don't 11. kill him and they, and they have the pie and champagne. Boy, that is a, an emotional, beautiful scene yeah. where she comes up and thanks him and talks about how it changed her life. But there's Sabrina Sutherland There's Sabrina right there. in the yeah. cameo, Sabrina yeah. Sutherland. Yeah. Didn't I read somewhere that Lynch like kept changing like the amounts that uh, that uh, Cooper was winning to fuck her up, the Sabrina Sutherland? Like fuck up like her, like, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like script supervisor, they want to keep continuity. Lynch would keep changing. And remember, there were three different dollar amounts that he won. Um, like uh, Sabrina Sutherland's character mentions it. And then I think uh, one of the Mitchum brothers mentions it um, in the scene where they're beating the shit out of the casino manager. And then the Mitchum brothers mention again when they go, that fucker took us for like 437. Then that number changed three times. And from what I read, Lynch kept changing it. And I don't think it was just him being a little like a trickster. I think it kind of plays into that this isn't uh, a reality that we're seeing. Yeah, no, this is not like. Remember, did we see when she when he leaves uh, Janie E? We saw that like uh, Egyptian like bug, yeah, scarab like, or whatever uh, in a slot machine. We don't see that. Yeah, the scarab. We do not. see No, that. we saw it's it in uh, part sixteen, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, twice. It's a big yeah. focus. It faded yeah. out on it almost. What did they? Show? I guess. Oh, that's right. They shot it in. I guess they shot this in commerce. That's what I read. So this is this is not. No, Vegas. they didn't like shoot. I think they only simple. shot exteriors in Vegas. I mean, they pretty much shot the bulk of the production in California. Um, and obviously they were on location in the Twin Peaks area and, uh, and they shot that one scene in France, but I think most of everything was shot in California. Uh, here's our first shot of our guys, Philadelphia. I was just overjoyed to see Albert and, and you know, I, was, I was overjoyed to see it, but it didn't really right. work for And me. our first, uh, this, this kind of introduction to, yeah. uh, Tammy's character. She actually had some great turns. I really liked her interview of Matthew when she grilled Matthew Lillard. That was my favorite Tammy. Oh yeah, I, I agree. You know, the one scene I actually really liked was a scene without any dialogue when she's uh, checking out the fingerprints. I like though. I don't. I didn't, that's a, that's. I think she gets in trouble is the posing when she's not doesn't have anything to say. 
Like I look at her sometimes. She's beautiful, and she, I feel like she's she's no, she's on camera. Like in the smoking scene, like the when Diane just sits there and doesn't move, and and neither does Lynch, and she literally goes through like fourteen places. <laughs> right, in a and a half. right. But it's beautiful. Right. I like watching it. It's cool. He just threw her into a, it was a hard situation. She's not an actor, you know, right? She's not. No, a this is actor. her first she's not, acting she gig. Have a lot of now, do yeah. you think extremely difficult? Yeah. The New York, the penthouse murders, as they describe it, is a blue rose case. And Tammy just doesn't know it? Yes. Well, how come they didn't investigate that? Well, they haven't got around to it yet. They were slow. They spent five episodes or <laughs> several weeks in Buckhorn. Jack nope, with Maybe they just stayed the entire time so that Constance and Albert could maybe hook up off camera. Trip. Maybe that was the reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe they just get around to this as being a Blue Rose case. It definitely is after Lillard's head blows up because it's an exact match of the... Well, then uh, they also uh, have the uh, the photograph. But all they do is just, you know, Cole just says, this is something. This is really something. And that was it. Do you think there's like police sketches of woodsmen like around the FBI? Like people are like circulating that around the country. Like the person who did this murder probably looks like a woodsman. There's like a sketch like Bob. Well, they're going to have. We know who did the murder right here. There's the image of the the experiment. I guess it's kind of blurry. I guess it does kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's not like, you know, it's just very vague. It's like Casper the Ghost. Like there's no like sharp features at all. It's her. It's Judy, dude. No, it's not. Hey, man. It's Judy, babe. No, no, no gotta be it's gotta be contrary talk you gotta always think out the i like that you think outside the box no pun intended but uh maybe at this point i think it's all signs point to yeah i I mean obviously i think it's some kind of uh spirit that's associated with uh or the lodge or the 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 wood uh uh, convenience store but i just don't think it's the experiment who is it i don't know i mean there's there's, that's it i mean it doesn't look exactly like coop oh right here it is is it him there's Kafka. There's Kafka. <laughs> Kafka and the... There's the nuclear right. bomb. It's a bigger... It's a giant. That's a cool mural. Yeah, that's not the Trinity Test. Out. That's another one. I think that one was in 57. Where's the corn? What do you mean, trouble? And then Albert has his line, which was the absurd mysteries of the strange forces of existence, which was the subtitle of the unproduced Ronnie Rocket film, which is near and dear to David Lynch's heart. Well, there are some references from (laughs) Ronnie Rocket in this new series. So I think he pulled from his black box, like Woody Allen's uh, drawer of ideas. And I think that, you know, Lynch emptied his black box, or at least took a lot of his ideas over the years that he was unable to film various screenplays uh, and put them into the script. Why is Albert so upset? He needs a truckload of Valium for this? Seems like he'd be a hardened, grizzled guy. Like, nothing's going to rattle him. It's Valium is going to be so freaked well, out by this. Well, what do you think about Albert? Like his character is so different from the original series. He's not as acerbic. He just wasn't full of spunk. He's old now, dude. He's old. He just didn't have the same verve, but he was still throwing out zingers. Like yeah, I guess. It just didn't have the same impact for me, even though I loved his character. But the one thing I didn't really like about his character was um, he really didn't have anything to do. The setup we didn't have an arc. We thought that he was talking to Jeffries and possibly Mr. C., and had, you know, this potential mystery of his motivation or his affiliation. Like, what side is he on? We were kind of kept in the dark and thinking about this for, you know, many, many episodes. And then... He's probably the most speculated on yeah, character and then that nothing, nothing ever happened. Like, I really thought... And he didn't even have a moment end, with Cooper in with Part 17. It was just Cole, you know, and Cooper. Well, he had his uh, unbilled cameo as the voice in episode two, <laughs> talking about being with Bob again. Which no one really You're still holding on to that one, huh? I still think that's true. Right. Still holding on to that one, yeah. My interpretation, buddy. One note, I really like the cactus, cactus Blossoms, this band singing Mississippi here at the end. 
I love this song. Listen to it eight million times over the summer, along with all the other songs on the soundtrack. But this is one of my particular favorites. So big Bon Mots. And yeah, no, this is one of the few songs that I actually like too that. because it evokes the Everly Brothers. Well, it's all about committing suicide as well, like going in the river and being dead. So you can go to my bar. I won't be there, but you can meet some friends that I'll never meet because I'm dead in the river. So it also ties in thematically. You think all of the songs like tie in thematically? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Although Lissy's song, Wild West, not what sure about, about that What about Viva Las Vegas? And Leave in Las Vegas. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas as well. Not sure about that one as well. <laughs> Take five as well. Not really sure, but it was that great. Was I love that. I love its use. Yeah, and that's that one of my favorite scene. scenes. My daughter, who's eight, wanted to watch uh, some Twin Peaks, and that was the, that's really the only uh, scene in the entire Return. Oh, you I could show her a montage of like Dougie's, right? Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, lots of Dougie's. Well, dude. Well, we're gonna do part four next week, uh, unless we have another uh, edition, special edition podcast where we have to add on to our our past theories with some new revelations, but we'll probably be doing part four next week, which is another exciting episode. Three and four uh, really renewed my spirit for the season and I loved it. And I love three uh, a ton. So I'm glad we finally got to review it. Part three was uh, uh, just a fantastic episode. The first 15 minutes, you know, that scene of, of Cooper with NATO and, you know, major Briggs's head and, and the American girl mother pounding the way that he shot that the sound design, the whole look of everything that section still for me is probably my favorite section of the entire series. Yeah, and it teased that the series was going to deliver on full original lynching insanity that we knew or we were hoping was going to come. I was hoping maybe the whole season would be that. <laughs> but uh, boy, we got it in episode eight. <laughs> and I think we got it in bits and pieces, like in 11 and you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. So anyway, but also before we leave, we want to give a shout out to, what was it, his name, Lieutenant Briscoe? Uh, so he died today. Another Twin Peaks actor died. So we want to give him a, a Detective Mackley, who was friend. played by uh, Brett Ma- Briscoe. So anyway, he'll be missed. Another another one another one down. Hope you're in the White Lodge with all the other alumni. And uh, we'll all see you see them soon in maybe 30, 40 years. Maybe tomorrow. You don't know. Until next time. Thanks for tuning I just don't know what to say